Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Welcome, friends, to the Meditation Conversation. Such a joy to be here. Today, we have our friend, Sagar Shenvi. He's joining us from Ananda Village in California. We know Sagar through the online community that you have heard us talk about many times called Ananda. This is where uh, where Alessandra, sorry, I almost <laughs> called you by your spirit name, spiritual name there, Jayanti. Um, but Alessandra and I met through the virtual community of Ananda. Um, and that was how all of this began. And um, Sagar lives in the physical location in mm-hmm. Ananda Village. Um, there are various locations of Ananda throughout the world. And he's in there, I'd say, the flagship um, community. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, we really wanted to get to know Sagar. He is a, a monk living in the community, and he does a lot with their virtual community. He um, works with their lessons and meditation group, which is often the entry point for a lot of people when it comes to the virtual community, as it was for us. Um, so he is our our friend, our teacher. Um, and he is about to launch a course called the yoga of Jesus. And so we thought it would be really interesting to one, just get to know him a little bit better, understand his backstory. He's been in America now for over a year. Um, but just be great to get to know him. And then also just to dive in a little bit and get some teasers about this course and learn (laughs) what people um, have to look forward to in the the yoga of Jesus. So Mm -hmm. welcome. Welcome. It's so good to have you here, Sagar. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Yeah, so as Cara mentioned, we we would love to know more about what Jesus Christ has to do with yoga, but we'll probably go to that a little bit later. First, let's let's focus on you and your story, because... Yeah, we know a little bit about you, but as far as I know, you come from a, a family with many yogis, right? Yeah, so that's you, right. You that's were born right. in India and you kind of, you were born into the world of yoga. Is that correct? In a way, yes. Uh, my family has six people who practice the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, which oh, is wow. the teachings of Kriya Yoga. And um, so I grew up, when I grew up, the autobiography of a yogi, which Yogananda wrote, uh, was always around. I read it at a very young age, probably at the age of seven or eight. The thing about a true spiritual book and autobiography of a yogi is just one of those. But the thing about a true spiritual book is it rings true on all levels. So even if you are a kid, you will understand something from it at the level of a kid. If you are a teenager and if you tune into it, you will gain something that inspires you on the level of a teenager. And no matter where you are 
on your spiritual path, uh, you find that it inspires you to take your next step. And so probably I liked all the stories in that book very much. And of course, Paramahansa Yogananda's spirit, which is so vibrant, so joyful, uh, so non-judgmental and accepting and so happy under all situations and circumstances. So that book always stayed with me and I had to go through life as all of us have to, but it always stayed there. And then of course, add to that, that around me, I had people who were practicing these teachings. So it did leave a big impact, which eventually culminated in my decision to want to do this, to practice these teachings and share these teachings sort of on a full-time basis. So as a child, what was it that inspired you? I mean, for me, it's a completely different world. And I think for Cara too, I didn't have this around me when I was eight years old. I guess there was a search. My soul was still searching, but I didn't have the autobiography of a yogi. I didn't have people practicing yoga. So what was it that inspired you when you read the book at that young age? I think it was probably all the stories and the possibility that we all know that there is more to us than meets the eye. What we read um, brings forth tendencies that we already have from past lives. And so, which is why one of the first things Yogananda did when he started his mission, he didn't start a monastery. He didn't start teaching meditation and Kriya Yoga. He started a school. Um, because a child is probably like a barren ground. You know, we think there is nothing in there, but the ground contains seeds, hidden seeds that are waiting to germinate based on what kind of environment that particular soil gets. And it's easy to, if we start the right way, we can get the right crop come out. But if we don't, then a lot of time is wasted later weeding that which came up and that which has to be thrown out for something that is beautiful to come up. So um, I just think for me, it was a little bit of grace that um, because I was exposed to these teachings at that pliable age, those things grew up from right from inception sort of of this lifetime. But different people have to come to these teachings or to their own spiritual path in different ways. It's just the play of life. What matters is what we do once we get there. Mm. Yeah. So beautifully said. Yeah. So yeah. how, um, what, what was your journey like from, um, you know, as you mentioned, you were influenced by the autobiography of a yogi and just through the teachings um, as a youth. Um, what brought you to your choice to become a monk? Did you you were already a monk when you moved to California? Is that right? Were you living? Oh yeah. You were living in in the um, Ananda community in or at the ashram in uh, India. That's true. I've been a monk. This is my ninth year. So it's been quite some time since I've been a monk. Uh, uh, I was here in the U.S. a decade ago as a student in BU, Boston University. I was doing a master's in engineering. It was with full scholarship. They paid me to do the master's, but 
uh, it was my second master's too. I already had a master's from India. So I had a very, very strong educational background. Even as a student, I traveled around the world. Always all expenses paid. That's amazing. <laughs> you you look so young as well. I didn't I was just realize. Say, like I don't get this together. I know I didn't yeah. realize that you have um, enough years. That you are such a deep and uh, I mean, soul wise, you you know resonate as a much older person than you look. But you that's the yeah. thing with yogis, you can never guess their age. That's true. <laughs> that, that's so true. I mean, we as we practice meditation, we tend to forget our age because we don't have any age and we start realizing that. By the way, even those who are not yogis do that half the day or one quarter of the day. When we sleep, we forget our age. And that Yogananda used to say that sleep was given as a reminder of our soul nature. And he would often tell his students, if you doubt your spiritual nature, if you doubt spiritual truths, analyze the state of sleep. See how you forget your age, you forget your body aches, you forget your race if you are not dreaming. Um, and the same thing can be done consciously in meditation. When we wake up, we are re-hypnotized into remembering our gender, our age, our nationality. But when we fall asleep, we forget all of that. So yeah, age is in many ways quite superficial to who we really, really are. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your journey. I, so, I mean, so you started to read autobiography of a yogi and you had these uh, yogis around you in your family. But was there something that accelerated the, the growth for you or like the search for you? Oh, yeah. The the answer is just one one person, Swami Kriyananda. When I saw him, you know, Swami Kriyananda is a very, very interesting figure. He is the founder of Ananda and people still don't know where to place him. He is not a guru because he himself said he is not a guru. All he is, he is a disciple or student of Paramahansa Yogananda. What happened with me was I read the autobiography of a yogi. I read many of Yogananda's books, The Divine Romance. And, you know, there are many which you all probably have read also, which talk about the spiritual precepts. But as happens, um, as the autobiography landed in my house, so did the new path, which is the book Swami Kriyananda wrote about his time with Paramahansa Yogananda. And I was very, very impressed because it gave me more of an understanding of Paramahansa Yogananda's consciousness from the point of view of a disciple. You know, I always loved Yogananda when I read autobiography of a yogi and I felt he was my spiritual teacher or guru. I didn't have to look at other spiritual paths. I haven't looked at other spiritual paths. I just don't have the time. There's so much to do with what has been taught to me, uh, so much to excavate that I would love to, but I just don't have time. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is I really did not know how to follow Yogananda's teachings or his path. Now, um, I always like to have fun with the teachings. And so there is a fun way to explain the role Swami Kriyananda played in my life. You know, it's because I wear these glasses. 
I sometimes say Swami Kriyananda is like these glasses, he's like the lens. If I take these glasses off, I the reason I what I do want to do is see reality. But if I take my glasses off, I only see it in a hazy way. And so it was, I wanted to follow Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings and Swami Kriyananda was the lens. When I put that lens on, I didn't see the lens itself. It was transparent. But I could understand how to follow Yogananda's teachings. What were the key emphasis that he put on? He taught many things. What were the things he emphasized? What were the things that need to be practiced? I just want to give one example here of what I mean because... It touched me very much. About a week or two ago, I went, saw somebody who's been in prison 35 years for a crime he did not commit. And he has a life in prison without the possibility of parole. He's trying to fight that, but let's we'll see how that goes. This person, when he was incarcerated, he read the autobiography of a yogi. He wanted the teachings of Kriya Yoga. And he wrote to this other organization uh, requesting Kriya Yoga. I don't want to name the organization. That's not the point. But this organization said, no, you are in prison. We can't give you Kriya Yoga. Probably you will get it in your next life if you pray deeply. Something like that. And finally, after some time, he found Ananda. And Swami Kriyananda immediately said, yes, Babaji, the main teacher of this path, said, give Kriya to all who humbly ask for help. So whether he's in prison or not, give him that teaching of Kriya Yoga. The reason I mention this is, if I did not have Swami Kriyananda's example, and all I had was Yogananda's writings, I might have thought, well, Kriya is such a sacred technique. Maybe this is what Yogananda would have done. Maybe he would have said, I can't give it to you while you are in prison. You need to have the karma to be out in the world and have cleared out that karma to receive such a sacred technique. But thankfully, I had the example of Swami Kriyananda to know how Yogananda would have responded. So anyway, it was his magnetism that brought me to this path. All that I am, all that you guys find beneficial came through Yogananda, yes. But it came through that single instrument, which was Swami Kriyananda. Mm, that's beautiful. That's, that is, really. And and you've touched on Kriya Yoga um, would you like to just expand upon that a little bit in case there are people who aren't familiar with what Kriya Yoga is? Well, Kriya is, the way Yogananda put it is there are two prods that nature gives us about our spirit nature, that we are spirit, that we are not body. One is the half prod of sleep, because in sleep our life force withdraws partially from the senses. You all know that because here are a few examples. If you are in deep sleep, uh, try tickling somebody in your family when they are sleeping. Try tickling their feet. You will see they don't feel it. If they were awake, they would immediately feel it. That's because life force withdraws from the feet back into the spine. Sometimes somebody is deep asleep, you have to call out their name a few times, sometimes very loudly before they can hear you because life force has withdrawn from the sense of hearing. Many times you sleep and an insect bites you, you don't notice. But when you wake up, you see a boil there. Life force withdraws partially from the skin. So this withdrawal of life force happens partially every night and it happens completely at the time of death. 
Kriya is the way to do this reversal consciously. One can magnetize the life force to flow back away from the five senses. And when you do that, you can break the hypnosis of the outer world. You can still the mind. And when the mind is still uh, in a reality, which was always there, it's not created, it's not deduced, it was always there. But because of this outer hypnosis, it was not really, be, it couldn't be brought into focus. It comes into focus. So Kriya is a way to withdraw the life force from the five senses so that we can focus deep within ourselves. Hmm. It's a meditation technique. You make it sound so simple, Sagar. Yeah, it is simple in many ways. As Yogananda says, we practice Kriya Yoga in our sleep and we'll be forced to practice it when we die. So why not practice it consciously rather than these forced prods? And now you are now you're a channel for these teachings you are maybe this is good time to transition to the course because i think our listeners and i know me and car are very interested in this topic as well and um, some people might be confused to hear the what does what does christ what does jesus christ has to do with yoga so do you want to Sure. I mean, I mean, I should also add, I think you guys are channels also. In fact, everybody is channeling something or the other based on where our consciousness is. We channel that which we think about where our consciousness resides. So if we have to channel something all the time, why not channel the right thing? That's the reason for uh, striving to become better spiritually because you have to be a channel for something. And talking about yoga, it's just the universal discipline which talks about how or teaches us how we can do that. How can we channel something that's higher and higher and higher? Well, Jesus Christ wanted to channel something that's higher and higher and higher. And yoga is the science of doing that. So and he had to practice yoga. He had to teach yoga. I think it's it's a good... Um... We might want to just mention when we talk about yoga here in the, well, in the West, I would say there's a, a big misconception about that word in general because the general population tends to refer to yoga or um, tends to relate to yoga as the the exercise, the postures. You yeah. know, you go to a yoga class and you do downward dog and you know, you do the yes. warrior and, um, but yoga itself, um, means union. So the, the definition of yoga is union. And under that umbrella of yoga, there are the asanas, which are the, the exercises, those postures, how we arrange the body. Um, and there's meditation and there's diet and, you know, right attitude and on and on, but it's kind of like a, a lifestyle you know, it, it in um, in trying to achieve union with source, with a higher power. Um, so I think that it's important to keep that in mind when we talk about, you know, mm, what is the yoga points. of Christ um, yeah. or of Jesus is like really going. It's it's we don't need to picture him in a yoga class, <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, um, but it, it really goes beyond that to a much broader sense of that mm -hmm. word, a much truer yeah. sense of the word of yoga. 
so in in yoga parlance or in the teachings of yoga certain words mean both the process and the goal so yoga means both yoga is the state of union that's what that word means the state of complete union with our creator but it also means those steps those teachings those techniques that will take us towards that union this dual use of words is very common in the teachings of yoga just another example is the word probably many have heard called pranayam now pranayam means the state where you have control over life force but it also means those techniques those teachings which will take you to that state where you control the life force that's why there are pranayama techniques but it's a goal it's a state also so with jesus when we talk about the yoga teachings he did both he had the state of yoga which was complete union with the divine which is why he could say that very very well known line in the christian bible i and my father are one for a yogi that is nothing new that's the bread and butter of a true yogi the very definition of somebody who's an accomplished yogi is that he can say i and my father are one otherwise he is on the path of yoga but he has not reached the goal and to reach that state jesus himself taught also those techniques those right living principles which will take us to the state of union so that's why these uh, this course is called the yoga teachings of jesus because paramahansa yogananda he took lines from the christian bible itself and he explained the meaning in a way that makes us understand that there is a great amount of overlap with what the yogis teach also it- It's so beautiful and it's so uh one of the things that I love so much about Ananda um and Yogananda's teachings are that inclusivity. You know, it's that um it's it's that that I'm telling you the tr- you know what I'm talking about is the truth. I'm speaking as Yogananda, you know, here here is the truth of how you can merge yourself how you can become christ like um how you can merge into oneness and unity and then he was also taking um teaching such as those of jesus and saying it's the same you know what i'm saying here is reflected in the christian bible but it's been misunderstood and so the way that the west tends to you know the way that you normally would hear certain verses many you know they've been misunderstood whether that's through for the purpose of manipulation and control or just through a misunderstanding you know your your understanding of something is is limited to a great extent by who's teaching you you know because yeah. you you know you're if you have been brought up being told that all of these verses point toward um sin and the fact that you know you have to be forgiven and you were born into sin and you you know are a sinner and you know that focus on damnation that's where your uh relationship with God is coming from that and that's very it's very powerful and um so yogananda had you know he was very adept at finding that core 
um, truth that was underlying various, you know, cross traditions and trying to hammer that point home that it's all based in love. It's all love and it's all right, you know, and um, and so he was using in in the circumstances that you're talking about, like Christ's teachings in the Christian Bible to reinforce this love and this acceptance and mm-hmm. um, which is r- really powerful and much needed, you know, um, mm-hmm. from yeah. the way that that the teachings are often taught. Yeah. The teachings might be timeless, but their interpretation uh, deteriorates over time. You know, deterioration over time is a characteristic of this world. A house deteriorates over time, our bodies deteriorate over time, books deteriorate over time, and then they need to be repainted or brought back to their pristine nature. So if that happens with everything else, why should it be surprising that it might happen with the written teachings of a saint also? Because the consciousness of people who are listening to those teachings, you know, over time we bring it down as we try to understand it on our level. And so just as um, if you are living in a house that was not built up to building codes or if it's deteriorated to a level where it's violating certain codes, the county will send an official which says, bring it back to those building codes so that they are compatible, you know, in... Um, they they are within those codes. And so there is a higher power, which is like the county official in the religion department, which sends saints into the world saying, hey, that teaching, you know, it needs to be brought up to code again. And so go back and refine and clarify these teachings so that they are again something that were that was taught originally, let's say by Jesus or by somebody else. Yogananda said his mission was to clarify the original teachings of Jesus and also, by the way, the original teachings of yoga because over time these both deteriorated things that were not important became important and things that were emphasized were de-emphasized and in certain cases the meanings were either lost or completely changed to uh, adopt to organizational preferences or needs. Do you have some examples of that in the yogic tradition? Well, there's quite a few even in the yogic tradition. And uh, what we discussed before, the yoga postures, they were a ancillary part of yoga practice because the main purpose of yoga is not to perfect the physical body but to realize that we are spirit and in today's world you can see that very few people use yoga as a tool to realize their nature as spirit but primarily to have a super ultra fit physical body now it's okay to use yoga postures for that but when the main purpose of yoga is forgotten, then we are losing a very, very great treasure. So that is just one example, but there are many others, rituals, ceremonies, you know, outward building of grand temples, all of these things are all right. But the main purpose yoga was given was to go within. And even in India, I come from India, I know 
that very few people realize that the purpose of yoga is to become immortal, is to become free of this hypnosis that we are just this physical body. So yeah, there is a lot in the yoga interpretations that needs refining, that needs re-emphasizing. And I think Yogananda's teachings are wonderfully suited to help bring that about. Mm, that's wonderful. And um, so you have this course, and before we move on to anything else, um, let's talk about the logistics of this course. It starts January 29th? That's right. It starts Yay! on January 29th. I got it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a lifetime enrollment, so people can sign up whenever they want. But we'll start this course with some live webinars, and then those webinars will stay on the course sort of forever. Uh, forever is a long time, but they'll stay there for a long time, and people can sign up at any point. We'll have nine of those webinars, one every week, every Wednesday, and we'll cover different aspects of the yoga teachings of Jesus. These are not the yoga teachings of Yogananda. Yogananda's is the interpretation, but these are the teachings of Jesus. This, by the way, I must add, is... Whenever a saint comes, a spiritually realized soul comes, he takes the same eternal truths, but he expresses them in a way that is relevant to the current society. Those things change. That's why when Jesus came, he said, I come not to destroy, but to fulfill. And what he was saying is, all I'm doing is I'm clarifying the teachings of Moses which were the Judaic teachings, which had gotten lost over the years. The significance, the emphasis, the subtleties had gotten lost. And all I'm doing is re-clarifying them. And those who did not understand, of course, opposed him, eventually crucified him. And that is what Yogananda came to do. Other saints have come to do over the years. He said, I have not come to make a Christian a Hindu. But the way he put it is, I want a Christian to become a true and better Christian. And I want a Hindu to become a true and better Hindu. And whatever the religious expression that we feel in tune with, these teachings can help us understand the true essence of what we feel inspired by. But there's also, yeah, I just want to say like one big difference I think with uh, yoga compared to many religions is that it actually gives you tools in a way that religion doesn't do as clearly right yes but the thing is when we as you see in the course a lot of the tools that yoga gives were tools that were taught by Jesus himself he taught life force control he taught about the deeper aspects of yoga where you can commune with the divine, either as light, as sound, as bliss, or a deep feeling nature, which we can commune with and we get a response to. That is why Jesus, you know, he was one of the first to address God as father, because he saw that people were keeping God at a distance. They were fearful of him. There was no direct personal relationship. And so he introduced that, which was very, very novel. I mean, he was almost stoned a few times when we called him uh, God his father, because then he became his son, which was sort of blasphemous for those who couldn't understand it. 
but then yogananda took it forward and said god is not only the father but he is also the mother aspect and we can relate to him in that way so yeah these teachings the teachings of yoga um, all traditions the deeper teachings are hidden you know they are hidden under imagery they are hidden under allegory it's so with the christian teachings it's so also with the yoga teachings and a sincere student can decipher those hidden imageries those parables and then can put those things to use but yes yoga techniques already exist in the christian bible as well but i think it's also beautiful to see more of the unity i mean me and kara we meet with people from different traditions and through this podcast and the other day we were talking to someone who is a shaman according to a south african tradition and we came across I mean, we ended up talking about Jesus Christ and with another guest, we talked about Jesus Christ as well. And so, like you said, it's just like, it's just the same. We're looking at the same thing, but from different angles or different cultures, different times. And so it just it became interpreted in a different way. Yeah. So yeah. what is the interpretation now or how can we apply it to today's society? Well, in some way, it is true. Different cultures will interpret it in different ways even today. You know, the same teachings of yoga probably will be interpreted differently in India. They'll be interpreted differently by a businessman. In fact, they'll be applicable to a businessman in a different way than they are to a monk. They'll be applicable to somebody who has children in a different way than somebody who's maybe in his 70s and has much more time to dedicate to the spiritual quest. So the point I'm trying to make here is because of the Western interpretation of civil, uh, of religion, people think that if the same teaching is interpreted in many different ways, that's wrong. But this is a basic understanding we have in India that a true religious teaching has to be interpretable in as many ways as there are people because each person has to be able to individually benefit from those teachings. And so Swami Kriyananda often used to say people are sometimes very unhappy. Why does Christianity have all these sects? You know, but he would say, actually, there are as many Christian sects as there are Christians, because every person is an individual soul and they will have to learn to individually apply those same principles. The principles are the same, but the church doesn't like that. It wants a rigid way that everybody has to fit into. And the saints never had that. In fact, that's why it's very hard to be in the company of a saint because they ex they get all these colorful people with colorful personalities. But that is just how God created this universe, this world. Different people are different. And these teachings help people take their own next step from where they are. So when you see, when you come to Ananda and you see that there is 250 people who are very, very different from each other in the way they express these teachings, live these teachings, practice these teachings. That is our strength. It is not our weakness. Well, and that's one of the beautiful things that is honored um, in Yogananda's teachings. And, and, you know, we touched on this, but if we think of the truth as being the center of a wheel, you know, and then you and then you have the outer part of the wheel and you have all the spokes that are coming from the mm -hmm. outer part of the wheel into the center. And 
all of those spokes are leading to truth. They're all mm. that center is truth. It is source. It is undeniable um, isness, you know. And yeah. but there are valid paths, and that's one of the things that I've appreciated so much with Ananda, for example. I know Swami Kriyananda. Um, made the point that the organization will never be more important than the person. You know, it's not about um, dogma. It's not about this is the only way to truth. You know, it's if you if if you have a Christian background as an example, and that resonates with you, you can use these teachings to deepen your perspective and your understanding and perhaps understand those teachings in a different way. But it doesn't mean you have to renounce your um, Christian faith or or any other faith that can be an accompaniment. And Yogananda himself would, um, I remember stories of people who were questioning, you know, should I, should I stop being, I can't remember if Catholic comes to mind, but, um, and he asked a couple of questions and, and then after hearing the answer, he said, no, you stay, you stay with that. It's serving you, uh, which is just really beautiful. And it just points to the whole point of, you know, what mm-hmm. are they for? It's not about, um, believing in a certain way there are different pathways to the truth and it's it's about that truth and honoring it and practicing letting it be a living breathing part of who you are this exploration of what is spirit and how does it relate to me and how am I a part of it how is it in me and how am I in it and how can I excavate the meanness to be able to expose that, you know? Yeah, I, I think that is the beautiful thing about Ananda, Yogananda, Kriyananda. I felt personally it helped me to create my own relationship, which Paramahansa Yogananda talks about. Like, it's about creating your own relationship with spirit. And if you want to call that a father, make it your father. If you want to make it your mother, make it your mother. If it's better to have it without form, then do that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if we were to just forget what religion expects from us, and if we think, we close our eyes and we think, what should the true qualities or characteristics of any true religion be? I mean, some things that will immediately come to the mind of any reasonable person is, well, it has to be inclusive. It has to be compassionate. It has to be supportive. It has to take people where they are and show them their next step. It has to honor that different people come from different spaces. They come with different, you know, experiences. And all those things that we intuitively know should be the an uh, essential ingredient of true religion are really an essential ingredient of true religion and all true saints. That's why Swamiji used to say, Swami Kriyananda used to say, the true custodians of religion are the saints, not any organization, because Mm -hmm. the saints always have all these qualities. They are universally compassionate. They are accepting. They won't impose their thinking on anybody. They are happy to be criticized, even if it's not their fault, because they don't really care. 
they don't try to defend themselves and they are as much as people want their friendship they are people's friends so this is how jesus was if you read the christian bible there was there's i did i did it over december before christmas and i was just very very touched by his compassion and his acceptance of people as they were some of his closest disciples had been so called sinners of the greatest degree before they came to him mary magdalene is an example the woman of samaria is an example and when the jews asked him once what the heck are you doing if you are a saint being with all these sinners and jesus has answered is something that i always remember he says it's the people who are ill that need a physician not those who are already healthy if somebody is already perfect without any faults then they are already there why do they need any religion but religion is for those who know they have things to overcome and who want to sincerely overcome them so if any of you have flaws you want to overcome then this path or any true religious path is for you and if you think you are already there and you are perfect then please you don't need the yoga teachings of jesus you don't need the teachings of any master you have reached that goal already <laughs> or probably you have too big of an ego to realize what you should change with it but either way there is no reason to judge or condemn others everybody is doing their best yeah that's wonderful and um it, it just makes me want to encourage people to read autobiography of a yogi as a starting point if mm-hmm. any of this is new to you um i find it very compelling in the west to explain that autobiography of a yogi was the book that um steve jobs had handed out at his memorial service so everybody all the attendees were given a copy because it had such an impact on his life I think even George Harrison from the Beatles was a big fan giving this out to people. Right. So um if it worked for them, <laughs> you might also find inspiration in it, but um in you mentioned early on in in this in our recording Sagar that you know that was kind of the starting point for you um as a young child and you mentioned how you can read this same text and it resonates with you in a different way the next time you read it because you're in a different place and oh shoot there's there's Josie hi Josie hi there's Josie my... she has something to say about autobiography of you yes i think Layla's arriving home from school um so but i just recently reread autobiography of yogi i think it was in the autumn and um and i had that experience too because it had been a few years since i read it and i you know there were things that i'm sure did not you know that i didn't remember from the last time i read it that really touched me and i and i was like wow that either didn't catch my eye last time or really didn't mean as much to me and uh, so it's it's such a gem and um and i highly recommend anybody reading that and then from there if you're like me and you want to take things further um you can go to um online with ananda no online with ananda or ananda.org yeah, i can't remember which ananda. one 
it will lead you both urls will lead you to the same place so you guys recommend i can't remember which one's being retired well ananda.org is what we are recommending now okay so ananda.org and that's where you can um then go and you could i mean like we said the first step for us was lessons in meditation that's a nine week is it nine or ten weeks yeah, it's nine weeks. So it's, it's really where you dive in and you you take what you've learned about in Autobiography of a Yogi. You don't have to read it to take that course. <laughs> but for many people, it's like, okay, I've read that. Want it. <laughs> I want what Yogananda is talking about. So how do I do that? Um, and so a beautiful first step is to go online and and they're, they cycle through. They're for a year. And, um, and you learn the foundational pieces of starting your meditation practice and, um, and it's online. So you do it as you, as you have time, it's really well structured so that you can fit it into your time. They have webinars so that you can be connecting. It's not just all reading literature to try to figure it out. You get, the um the dy- dynamic piece of being in a course and they record everything. So when I took lessons in meditation I was living in Italy and often the times didn't work out. Alessandra, you know a lot about this dynamic, mm-hmm. but when uh, California time is not always syncing up with European time for instance, um not always. <laughs> yeah, but everything is recorded so there's no pressure to have to do things live. You have supportive teachers so that um and you have to turn work in every week so you have to have that communication and then they have like a nice community built around the course too so that you can be talking to other people as they learn and you can kind of have that dynamic classroom yeah. discussion so i highly you recommend find it. spiritual friends absolutely like cara and yeah. then you start a podcast together that's right it's <laughs> how it works for everybody <laughs> <laughs> but you and i have taken many courses with ananda.org yeah. and um it's really been i've taken you know the the kriya yoga that we talked about um, there's a path to Kriya. So there are certain courses that you have to take to be able to be initiated into Kriya Yoga, which means that you learn the technique. Um, and so you follow that path and we've taken all of those courses and they've been really good. And then there are lots of other courses. So there are courses about the chakras and, um, Mm -hmm. health and vitality and healing and cooking as well. Yeah. And the yoga postures and you can go to Ananda, you can, um, go into live classes or go on a retreat. And so like, there are just lots of entry points, um, to kind of helping to ignite, not ignite, because we all have that spark, but helping to help turn that spark into, a beautiful flame and also get support i think that the community is such a uh, such a gem like uh, it's very difficult to do it alone you need the support of not only teachers but friends friends most of all i think and you don't have to uh, always reach out but you can see emails coming through with like encouraging polls from friends or teachers and that makes that makes the difference, I think. Yeah. You know, that's, by the way, I should say, 
that's where you know people don't know but in the christian bible jesus recommended people join communities and mm. uh, that's the phrase that's the words in the bible where he says where two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst of them and when he said two or three he was emphasizing the power that comes when you have support of like minded people there two or three he doesn't say one there two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst of them so it's easier to do uh, this uh, the spiritual progress if you have support today's world you know is flowing in the opposite direction and so the more support you have the more you find that it's a joy it's a pleasure and it's easy to make spiritual progress yeah. absolutely well, well thank I, you sagar yeah thank you thank you. thank you for all of the energy and the inspiration that you provide in the in the virtual mm-hmm. community um you're always well often putting you know fun things and trying to make sure that none of us take it too seriously and you know mm-hmm. hey let's not forget this is supposed to be fun mm-hmm. um because it it can feel like it can get weighty yeah. you know like oh, i'm not yeah. doing enough i mean it's really easy yeah. to start to feel like yeah there are 9000 ways that i could be expressing my spirituality right <laughs> now and i'm going to go take a nap <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, um, i know it so but you you really help to keep things flowing and keep things light and um you know you're always very very open and you're offering a lot of creativity as like for instance with this course that's coming up that we're really excited to join so thank you for your service and all the light that you're bringing into the world it's um it's an honor to be your friend and your student <laughs> Same yeah. here. It's fun being with you guys, all of you, two of you, of course, and the whole virtual community. Very, very fine people come together. It's great to have you on the podcast as well to share with the yeah. listeners. Yeah, this was fun. <laughs> really fun. That I think it's just nice. You are trying to reach people in this way. Everybody is looking for something uplifting, and I hope many people listen to. your podcast and many other things that people all over the world are trying to provide thank you good thank okay. you many blessings and thank you everybody for joining us today and we look forward to the next meditation conversation <laughs>